Hello, and welcome to Sharp, the podcast where we help you get a little better at the stuff you have to do, so you can spend more time doing the stuff you want to do. My name's Steve O'Neill, and in each Sharp episode, I'll be sharing a bite-sized slice from anywhere that I can find great ideas, tips and suggestions which help us do things faster, better or with a different approach. I'll do the research on social media, podcasts and the written word to bring you quick, practical and effective help in working with people, getting more out of yourself or just getting more from life. We'll have a short, sharp episode weekly and then once a month We'll gather up that bag of tips and mix it in with some conversation in a longer episode. However you choose to listen, I'm here to share things that work in the real world in a way to suit you. So now, on with the episode. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, good whatever time of day it is where you are. Welcome to episode three. Whether you're a first-time listener or a third-time listener or you're from the future, we're really, really grateful for you listening to these podcasts. If you're enjoying them and you haven't done so already, please subscribe at iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. That means you'll get a fresh episode of Sharp in your inbox every week and you won't miss out on the super useful things that we talk about. Now, if you've listened to the first couple of episodes, you'll know that we've introduced what Sharp is about. We've talked about podcasts on a podcast. Yeah, we thought it was a bit weird at the time, but lots of you said you liked it. We've covered social media and its place in getting better at what you do. Now remember, this podcast is about sharing ideas and tips to get more from life. We all know that scrolling through social media is not getting more from life. But you know that. That's why you're here. Social media is a good resource if you can avoid the tractor beam. This week we're going to look at LinkedIn and Twitter. Now, at the time of recording, there was some dialogue that Twitter was on the wane. It's certainly not what it used to be, but on balance, I think it's still useful. The numbers that we quote are right as of... What day day is it? Flipping heck. It's March. March 2017. So if you're from the future, things might be very different. In fact, I'm sure they are. Anyway, let's crack on and have a look at LinkedIn. 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 Hmm. Do you? LinkedIn. If you ask anyone in the street what they think about LinkedIn, you're highly likely to get reactions like these. Excuse me, can you tell me, do you use LinkedIn? Yes, I do. And what do you use it for? Networking. Okay, brilliant. Thank you very much. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Um, Do you use LinkedIn? Oh, yes, I, I do. I use it um, quite extensively. Oh, fantastic. Um, can you tell me what you use it for, please? Uh, I mainly go on there and point out to people that it's not Facebook. Right, OK. Um, thank you. Excuse me, sorry to bother you. Can you tell me if you use the social media platform LinkedIn? Sorry, mate, I don't know what you're talking about. OK, um, sorry. Thank you. Excuse me, do you use LinkedIn? What's that then? What's that? It, it's a s- social media platform. It's like Facebook. Oh, yeah, yeah, use Facebook. Right, okay. Do you use LinkedIn? No, mate, I've never heard of it. 
Hello there. Um, sorry to bother you. I can see you're shopping. Um, just really quickly, do you use LinkedIn? Yes. Great. Bye-bye. <laughs> According to LinkedIn themselves, in their summary in August 2016, 60% of the UK's student and working population use LinkedIn. But in a survey that we found by We Are Flint, the percentage of online adults using LinkedIn is actually 30%. Now, both of these numbers, of course, could be right because the groups of people are different. But in terms of adults, at least, it seems that the majority of adults are not on LinkedIn. And understandably, LinkedIn feels a bit corporate. It's quite worky and, well, frankly, many people just don't find it appealing. According to that We Are Flint survey, a third of the people who are on it use it less often than every few weeks. If you're on LinkedIn, you'll know how it works. And you'll also know there are lots of people on there who make it their mission to police what people put on there. They do this by saying things like, LinkedIn, LinkedIn is, is not, not Facebook. Facebook. It's, it's not, not a dating site. It's, it's not, not Tinder. Tinder. So if that's what it's not, what is it? Well, it's meant to be a networking site. And actually, it can be really good if you use it well. Unlike Facebook and Twitter, you've got to put a bit of effort in to get something out of LinkedIn. With Facebook and Twitter, you can set up a profile fairly quickly and start mining for information. With LinkedIn, in order to get some credibility, you need to connect. And to connect, you need to be connectable. There are two things that LinkedIn are useful for. It's useful for networking and it's useful for getting industry information. Some people say, and LinkedIn themselves also say, that you should only connect to people that know you. I say, connect to people who you want to know. The worst thing that can happen is that they say no. And while we're talking about connecting, I strongly advise against accepting connection requests from anyone and everyone. Remember, with all these things, it's about quality and not quantity. Make sure you thank people. When you connect to people, if you ask for a connection and they accept, treat it as important as if you'd met them in a street or at a meeting and send an individual message, a thank you, or just ask people how their week's going and so on. Joining groups on LinkedIn uh, can be really useful. They tend to be more structured than Facebook. So if you go into the LinkedIn search, put in a subject like cinematography or wine or whatever you want to know more about and then go on to the group section and start connecting. The search can be a subject that relates to your local area or the industry you're in or the industry that you want to be in. To grow your network in LinkedIn, reshare posts and articles that come into your feed. That will really get you noticed and actually a great thing to do is to write articles yourself this really has impact, especially as you're likely to have expertise in your specialist area. You know things that other people don't, so share that knowledge and get people interested in you. Like Facebook, your LinkedIn feed can be populated with the stuff from the people that you connect to. So be careful what you wish for, and that's just another good reason not to accept connection requests from anyone and everyone. There's a learning section on there which you need to pay for. It's worth reviewing if you're serious about using LinkedIn for development. But there's another section which is free, which is the slide share section. And that's also really interesting. Now, it doesn't look like it's regulated. So you need to consider um, a bit of a skeptical approach when you're viewing these slideshows, but it's worth a look. Primarily, LinkedIn is about keeping in touch so you can see what thought leaders are saying and to get connected to people to give you an insight to the world you're, you're in or the world that you want to be in. And if you want to do that, then LinkedIn's worth investing some time in. 
If you want to know more, I found an article from Forbes.com which has some useful advice about how to get the most out of it. So I'll post a link in the show notes, um, but I'm not going to bore you with that detail here. I reckon if you're going to use LinkedIn, spend 30 minutes a week maximum, maybe even 30 minutes a month, and it's probably worth doing. But again, avoid the tractor beam of just getting sucked into what comes through in your feed. Or, quite frankly, if you don't like the idea of LinkedIn, don't go onto it. After all, 70% of the United Kingdom population feel the same way. So make a decision, either be LinkedIn or linked out. Now, if social media was a car, then I reckon Facebook would be a reliable, um, maybe a little bit fusty, safe family car, gets you where you want to go, um, takes a little bit of looking after. How would I describe LinkedIn? LinkedIn is maybe a Hillman imp. It's a bit specialist for some, um, and it needs a fair bit of attention. So what's Twitter? Well, as far as I'm concerned, Twitter is a Bugatti Veyron, because it's just so blooming fast. Twitter's been around just over 10 years. There's 1.3 billion accounts, although interestingly, only a third of those are actually active users, And in fact, almost half of the accounts that have been set up have never been tweeted from. Katy Perry's got almost 100 million followers. That's mad, isn't it? That's one and a half times the population of the UK. There are 391 million accounts that have no followers at all. And according to Twitter themselves, there are 23 million active users that are not human beings. They're just bots. Now, I've had a love-hate relationship with Twitter, and I think it's because If you follow a lot of people, the stream of information is constant, fast, and it can be impossible to keep up with. Twitter is a great source of short, sharp, fast snips of information, which sometimes is a good thing and sometimes a bad. But it can be a bit like putting your mouth around a fire hose to get a drink of water. Apparently, one day's tweets would fill a 10 million page book. Like Facebook, Twitter is great if you want to get better at what you do, primarily if you're finding links that have been posted by a carefully curated group of people that you find helpful and useful. To get this deluge of information manageable, the most useful function in Twitter is the list. So, what is a list? And how many times in this podcast can we use the word list? A list is a way of separating out different kinds of tweets into categories. Think of it as individual buckets where you can sort out information in much more digestible amounts. One way of setting up lists can be simply based on the subject of what people tweet on. I've got lists on my voiceover account for voiceover people, so I can get the latest information that relates to that world. You could have marketing lists for the same reasons or photography. To set up lists on subject, it's really straightforward. Just go into search, type in the word avocado, other lists are available, Then see all the people that tweet about avocados, see the stuff that you like, and then add those people to your avocado list. You also don't need to follow people to put them into your lists. If you're a more advanced user, then it's worth considering contexts. Now, what I mean by context is the location, what things mean to you in life, what they've got in common. They could be groups of people that you want to stay connected with because they represent a particular network or a local group. Maybe you might set one up for a chamber of commerce. They could be people that relate to family things. Um, So they might include a mixture of stuff like days out or clothing or mum's groups 
but you put them all under the heading of family. They could be businesses that you want to work with, so you keep engaged with them. You might have another list of people that you've newly connected with, so you want to ensure that you engage well and you don't miss what they post. And don't just think about the subject. Think about sections in your life which are important to you and create a bucket or a list that contains people that relate to that part of your life. The second reason why lists are important is because it's how you digest the volume of information that's coming through. Remember in our previous episode, we talked about our brain's inability to actually multitask. And that's exactly what's happening if you're reading a stream of tweets that are all random and completely disconnected to each other. Your brain is having to keep switching to account for the different contexts of why they're important. Let me give an example. This is what's in my Twitter stream right now. I've got a tweet from a person in a local network who's linking to a presentation on how to listen properly. Then I've got someone launching a travel business who's thanking someone else for following them. Here's a picture of some palm trees. I've got a jewellery company selling a new style of watch. This one is about wine. And then there's a local community tweeting about an event at the dockyard. Now, every one of those tweets may have some merit and a reason why I'd want to engage. But I'd prefer to network with people when I'm in networking mode. I'd prefer to shop when it's time to shop and I'm thinking about birthdays or anniversaries. I'd rather book a day out when I'm in planning mode and thinking about my week or month ahead, and so on. If you use lists, you can engage on different days of the week for different subjects. Or you could look at some daily and others you might look at them once a month. The aim here, as always, is to reduce the time that you spend. I'm giggling because I've recorded that bit four times. Um, Arguably, I've still never got it right. Um, To reduce the time that you spend and improve the efficiency of how you connect by putting barriers or fences around the different elements of your life. And that's a theme that we'll talk about lots in these episodes. Simply, just because two things are on Twitter doesn't mean they're connected. And when you realise that by separating them and putting them where they belong in your life, then that's one step towards getting better at what you do. It's really the social media equivalent of working smarter instead of harder. I've just got a couple of final thoughts on lists. You can go onto other people's lists and you can subscribe to them. That's a good way of seeing things from people that you'd not normally connect to. You can make your list private so other people can't see yours. And if you put someone in your list, they get a tweet telling them that, This person's just put you in a list called Great Contacts or Cool People, which really improves the sharing and it'll make you feel good when people do it with your account. Okay, to end this Twitter section, um, if you're brand new to Twitter, here are five things that I've learned to help you get started. Number one, do not buy followers. It's a complete waste of money. There is no benefit and you'll lose credibility when you're following 195 people but being followed by 95.7 million unless you actually are Katy Perry, that can look a bit odd. Number two, engage with people. More interaction means more genuine connections. Again, think quality and not quantity. Number three of my five tips is to remember that most accounts are people and online or offline, people like to be treated with respect and acknowledged. Number four, share other people's tweets. They'll thank you for it. And number five, use hashtags. It might seem cheesy, but it does work and it enables other people to see your tweets and increases the chances of engaging with people, you being shared and connecting with people that you'd ordinarily not come across. And number six, yeah, I know I said five, but you'll soon learn that this podcast is a little unconventional. Tip number six is use the Twitter hour. 
This is where like-minded people go onto Twitter and talk about a particular subject at a particular time. There's dentist hour. There's business to business hour. There's Hampshire hour. I use that one and it's still going strong. It's really simple. Go into search, type a hashtag and then your subject and then the word hour. Or you can use a directory. I'll post a good link in the show notes. These are fast, they're good fun, and they are a great way of connecting with people like you. Okay, that's it. Twitter. It can be really useful if you make it work for you and not the other way around. Okay, Steve, that's enough for episode three. We've covered LinkedIn. It can be boring. It can be good. You decide. Twitter. It's fast. Use lists to make it work for you. And the key message in these last few episodes is be intentional about how we use social media. Put these tips into action, make it work for you, spend less time and do it better. Being sure of where it fits in your life to help you get even better at what you do. The next episode is going to be a different format and we're going to talk to someone about how they get better at what they do. But until then, thank you ever so much for listening. We really, really do appreciate it. I'm off. Have a great week. Thank you.